Lord, we thank you for your word. Sometimes, Lord, your word is so simple and we get really complicated. We pray this morning that you would simply talk to us. That we would learn how to simply live with you and for you. So, Holy Spirit, we we pray that you would indeed bring Jesus to where he desires to be, alive in our midst and in our hearts. That he would be glorified and that we would be fruitful as witnesses to him at this time in this place. In his name we pray. Amen. I was going to start this morning with, uh, by saying this. Two weeks ago I went to um, visit my doctor, John Mayer, for, you know, the checkups we have to have over 50. And, um, and, when, and, you know, you go for the blood tests and all those samples that are very uh, humiliating. And I got the samples back this week and I learned that um, I have cancer and I have three months to live. That's how I was going to start. I tried it out in Carmen and she nearly cried, so I thought, well, somebody cares. <laughs> the reason I was going to do that is that that is the context of what Jesus is speaking about in this John 14, 15 passage. He had just said to them, after they had been around for three years, he said, I'm leaving. And I'm no Jesus. He said, I'm leaving and uh, I'm going to have to face hardship of what you don't have any understanding of. That was the emotional impact. And so therefore, if I'm leaving, if I'm dying, then what I have to say in these last days is important. I'm telling you the things that are really important. And so he said to them, after he had washed their feet and, and given them a hint of his death, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me, or trust in God and trust also in me. They had no idea about crucifixion. They had no idea about Jesus rising from the dead. They had no idea about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the power of God, the Holy Spirit, next week. Jesus talked quite a lot about um, who he was. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the truth. I am the, the, the door. I am the gateway. I am the vine. And when he said, I am the vine, he said, included them, and he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. The only time in the I am sayings that he actually included his disciples. So what was he saying that was so important and so radical and so powerful? And what I'm saying this morning is enormously, enormously simple, but it's actually the key to life. He said, you can do what I've been doing and you can live as I have been living. You can keep my commandments, you can know me, you can know my life in me, you can know my power in me if you pay attention to these very simple words. Because God is not a religion. God is not a religion, God's not going to church, God's not keeping rules. Jesus, the whole point of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, as we know, we say it, is relationship. 
And so in this passage where he talks about the vine and the branches, he's really making that incredibly simple. You walk through Israel, there are vineyards everywhere. They know how grapes grow. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. You are the branches and my father is the gardener. That's it. The meaning of life. I, Jesus, am the vine. You, my creation, are the branches. And my father keeps it all together. We're not born to be isolated. We're not born to be on our own. We're not born to be self-made. We're not born to be self-regulating. We are born to be part of a vineyard. And there are many vineyards. Because he says, I am the true vine, which implies there are other vines. So he says, I am the vine that is going to be greater than you. You are part of something greater. That's the difference between Christian faith and philosophy. Philosophy looks out at the world and tries to make sense of the world to me, where I am the center. As soon as you say God exists, you have to humble the human being to be part of something greater than that human being, which is very insulting to some human egos. It's very liberating to those of us who don't want to be God. And so the relationship with the gardener, with God the Father and God the Son, is the essence of Christianity and the essence of life. And the reason that we're going to be very simple this morning is because this simplicity is the very thing that very often we lose in the tumble of life. So we're not created to nurture ourselves. We're not created to grow ourselves. We're not created to be secure in ourselves. It all is within the context of the vineyard and God's vineyard. I am the fine, you are the branches, and my father is the gardener. My father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. My father cuts off every branch in me, Jesus, that bears no fruit. I can be in Jesus and be fruitless. what he says. Every branch in me means I can be in the Christian vineyard. Don't forget, it's all about relationships that jumping through hoops and putting labels on is irrelevant to God. It's what's the relationship like? So he says, every branch that does bear fruit, he trims clean so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No Christian can actually be fruitful on its own. You can't do anything for God. As somebody said, if God wanted to accomplish tasks, he wouldn't have asked us to do it. His angels can do that. If he wanted efficiency, he wouldn't have chosen us. He wanted relationship of father to children. Love relationships, that's the context of his creation. Not efficiency. Not discipline. Not machines to do his will in the world. 
He wanted people who were filled with his love to live in the world and share his love and his life in the world. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So those who do bear fruit get pruned. Pruning is part of being the vine. Where do we start with the pruning? Where's the greatest and most radical pruning, do you think? Anybody there? What do you think happens there? When we first commit ourselves to the Lord, when we first say yes to Jesus, we are like wild vines that are actually cut and grafted in to the vine that is Jesus. It's radical surgery. Therefore, somebody says, are you a Christian? You go, well, I'm not sure. Well, get sure. How am I sure? I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to Jesus and say, Jesus, please graft me into you. We call it, we come to the cross and we ask him to forgive our sins. We ask him to forgive the wildness that says, I want to grow on my own. So we get grafted in to the new vine, which is Jesus. What do wild vines do? Whatever they like. Wild vines grow on the ground. They actually don't get staked up off the ground. Wild vines just grow. And you know what wild vines, wild vines look like? They're rarely lush. But all their energy goes into growing. Covering ground. Experiencing things. And the fruit is much, much less on a wild vine because it's not being disciplined. It's not being trained. It's the gardener has no impact on it. Another thing about wild vines is because the wild vines creep along the ground, they're much more exposed to disease and slugs. You remember last time we talked about gardening and Satan is the slug. They're much, much more exposed to the elements. They're much more exposed to disease. So wild vines are a lot more shabby as well. They cover a lot more ground. They look a lot more lush but they actually have far less fruit. The real vines, the true vines, are staked and trained off the ground. And in Jesus' vineyard, each of those stakes is a cross. The things that destroy vines are unforgiveness and anger, bitterness, self-will, cynicism, Anything that destroys the vine is the stuff that centers on my will, my purpose, my ego. And so the solution that Jesus said when he said to his disciples, and they didn't fully understand this when he spoke about my word has already made you clean, is all farmers know that if you're going to have a crop that's going to be pest-free, you need to control the pests. So the crop spray from Jesus is his blood. 
He basically, his blood cleanses, his blood protects, his blood comes against all that would destroy the vine. And so he says to his disciples who are really wondering what they're going to do and how they're going to survive in this world without Jesus, who has basically been doing all the healings, he's cast out demons, he's demonstrated the power of God, he's shown them what a world looks like when a human being is totally in tune with God. He's shown what Adam was created to be. And Jesus did not come to tease the world. He did not come and say, hey, look what I can do, tough about you guys. Follow me if you can. He came to say, this is what my Father created you to be and this is what you have become and this is what my Father and I together can restore you to. Christianity is all about restoration. So becoming a Christian is saying, yes, to Lord, restore me to what you created me to be. That's a lifelong purpose. That's why it's no surprise as Christians that we show some of the restoration and a lot of the degradation. We're a mixed bag. So, Jesus wants to restore us and he says, the only way that happens is you need to abide in me. So, apart from me, you can do nothing. What can you do apart from me? From Jesus. What can you do apart from Jesus? Apart from Jesus, you shrivel up and die. Apart from Jesus, you do it all in your own strength. Would you agree that apart from Jesus is probably our norm? We're actually normally, we're more used to living apart from Jesus than, than abiding in him. That's not an accusation. It's more, um, Lord, make me thirsty to enable me to draw closer to you, to see the difference. Many people are not Christian because they've been apart from Jesus trying to be Jesus. So, what we're talking about this week and what we're talking about next week go together. Today we're talking about abiding in Jesus, which is keeping a relationship with Jesus. Next week we talk about the Holy Spirit, which is the sap that flows through the vine to produce the fruit. You can't have the power of God and the life of God without the relationship with God. And so the only thing you have when you try that way is you end up being cynical and judgmental and angry because you can't do it in your own strength. If you remain me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And he goes on, uh, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, so that my joy may be in you. Love each other as I have loved you. My friends, do what I command. So abide in me. That's almost all I actually want to say this morning. 
press in with me this morning. I'm very aware there are a lot of distractions this morning. You're going to have to decide whether you're going to press in or you're just going to let it slip. There's no judgment in what I'm saying. I'm just saying it because that's what I sense. The only thing I believe Jesus wants to say this morning is come to me. Come back to me. And there's also a word that says, you know what the vines, you know the most fruitful vines? They're the old ones. Half of this congregation is over 50 and you think you can retire. I'm being very serious. I'm being very serious. I really believe God's word to this group is, no, the best years are still to come. I'm going to prune you and I'm going to use you if you will abide in me. The best and the sweetest vine comes from the oldest, most mature vineyards. That's wonderful news. It's bad news if I want to coast on something I got years and years and years ago. There's no retirement in a vineyard. You either cut out, you either burn, or you get fruit. And in a vineyard and in the vines, there are seasons. There's a time for pruning. There's a time where God says, you know what, I think I need to cut some of this part. But the gardener is a loving gardener. Our problem gets stuck when we see God as just with a knife. Love prunes. In our culture, love stakes up the wild vineyards and says, oh, I don't want it to hurt. Love is insipid in our culture. It's, I don't feel like getting pruned. <laughs> I don't feel like going to the dentist either. I don't feel like going to medical examination. There are a lot of things we don't feel like doing. But in our culture, in much of the church, it's, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. And God must go, I feel sick. Pruning, it won't kill you, but it will hurt. It should hurt a little bit. But it's part of life. So there's pruning. The pruning on its own would be awful. Pruning isn't with the context of seasons. And the other seasons are patient growth. And there's a season of fruitfulness. And there's a season of quietness as the gardener moves amongst the vines and tends to them. You will not allow God to work in your life with any degree of power if you don't know Jesus and Jesus' love for you. So, the invitation this morning is, do you want to just be full of leaves or have some fruit? How are you grafted into Jesus? Are you grafted into Jesus? Are you nourished by reading the scriptures? Are you supported by the Christian community? Are you allowing pruning to take place so that the Father 
might produce great fruit in you? Is joy part of your experience? Because where, where, where you are with God and with Jesus. The rest is up to you. It's a, it's a, a loving invitation from a loving father who gave his son. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't build a church. Apart from me, we can fight. Apart from me, we can spend a lot of energy trying to do something. But one of the wonderful things about vineyards is you walk through them, they're very quiet, usually. Very peaceful. Because growth is taking place. I remember using this analogy before. You don't hear grapes going, There's not a lot of noise because abiding is intuitive. And some of us are dejected and we are struggling in our Christian lives. And I'm speaking from years of experience. Believe me, this isn't me talking to you. It's talking to me. You can't fight with God because I spent years fighting. And it's not fair. And I spent years on that one too. And it's not fair because the Christian community is a bunch of hypocrites. And I spent years on that one, too. And it's not fair because God didn't work out as I expected it to work out. And it really doesn't matter because God will just sit there and say, whenever you're ready. Because He's right. And the issue is, do I want to submit? Do I want to enter into this relationship that actually brings life? He's done everything. It says in that vineyard passage from Isaiah, what more would I do for my vineyard? And so I believe, I was saying last week, um, hey, that's pretty good. I've got to talk for 20 minutes and then the Lord's going to talk for 20 minutes. I listened to my sermon the other week I thought, oh my word, this is long. And it was, I, I don't like, I don't, never know how to say that, but it, I, the Lord has a sense of humor, but I, I had a sense that he was saying, John, why don't you talk for 20 minutes and I'll talk for 20 minutes. And that's what we're going to do this morning. What we're going to do is, basically that's it. The real question is an invitation to abide in Jesus and if we're not abiding or we've lost touch with that to get back into that. And so we're going to sing some songs as part of the sermon as a time to listen and a time to just wait on the Lord. And then we're going to go straight out of those songs into communion. And if the Lord gives you a word or gives you something that might be for everybody, then after that I'll ask. Fifteen years ago I'd be all terrified and threatened. Oh, what happens if nobody says? I don't care actually, it's not my problem. God will do what, what, whatever God wants to do and he will do all kinds of things because guess where will you turn your radio down? Uh, guess where again, if you look at the vineyard you often don't see very much action because it's all in the roots. So what we're asking God to do this morning and giving him time to do is work in the roots of our lives. You meant to turn them down, not me down. 
Um, Dave, ever since he wrote that thing about being boss, he's just got really assertive. I think uh, pruning. So, I really don't want you to hear this as a word of condemnation at all. It's just one of those kind of uh, reality tests, which is kind of like to, when, when Peter screwed it up and he went off to Galilee, Jesus came to him and said, Do you love me? If I'd been Jesus in this day, we would have five months of counseling and therapy. He just said, Did you, Do you love me? Follow me, feed my sheep. So this morning, it's uh, which part of this don't we understand? Apart from me, Jesus, you can do nothing. So, if you want to do something, don't be apart from Jesus. Now, I've got to keep my promise. Shut up. So, Lord, we bless you for your spirit. We bless you that we are no different from those disciples. We panic. We would love to do the things that you did, but we feel incredibly unworthy and unable and empty, and you know that. That's why you said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We're in touch with that truth. The part we're not in touch with is abiding in you so that the fruit will grow, and others will know that you live because you live in us. And so we pray this morning that your spirit right now would speak among us and into our hearts and enable us to position ourselves where you want us to be. And we know that you want us to be with Jesus. So as we sing, and you can stand or sit, you can do whatever you like, uh, we just ask you to speak to us. Bless each one here, Lord, with the reality of your presence. You just feel free to you feel free to do whatever you feel like doing, but let's try not to talk to each other. Let's try to spend time with Jesus and give him this time. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days. Oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly 
earth, you Creator, all for love's sake became poor. I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say, you're my God, you're all together all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. And I'll never know how much it costs. See my sins upon that cross. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that me. This earth adore you, hope of a life spent with you. And all is stripped away, simply come. just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, 